I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me in the studio today is the Manager of Prevention and Advocacy for the Latin American Community Center, Laura Adarve. Welcome, Laura. Hi, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you could join us today because uh, the Latin American Community Center has a program coming up uh, later in the spring. the called Art Addiction, and this program has been ongoing now for a, a number of years. Uh, but uh, before we we get into that particular program, I would love for you to uh, share with our listeners a little bit about the Latin American Community Center, a very important organization here. Right. So um, the Latin American Community Center was established in 1969. It's located in Wilmington, Delaware, at 403 North Van Buren Street. And it's a nonprofit social services organization. And even though our name is the Latin American Community Center, we serve everybody. Um, just because you're not Latino does not mean we won't help you here. Um, so the LACC has been almost 50 years in, in the running. And we have a wide array of services for everybody, from babies as young as six weeks old to seniors. So we run the gamut from uh, assistance with food and clothing, rent assistance, utility assistance. Um, we have an early development center for uh, the little ones up to age four, and it's a five-star program. And it's been recognized uh, many times. And it's also we'll have a before and after school program for youth between ages of 5 to 17. And we have um, a lot of opportunities as well for students that are in high school. If uh, they need to recover credits or they're falling behind, they can attend the credit recovery program so that they can catch up and graduate in time with their peers Um, and a number of other programs as well for youth. But we also have uh, ESL classes for adults, and we have uh, two departments that serve uh, different s- services and purposes. Um, the Family Support Services Department has a breastfeeding support group, a domestic violence prevention program, a victims of crime advocacy program to try to get people to report the crimes that they might have been victims of and to get help for that, and um, as well as a program for seniors called Los Abuelos, where they are provided with many opportunities for activities of enrichment and also uh, food distribution and other things like that. And then on the other side, the department that I manage is called the Prevention and Advocacy Department. And within it, we have um, HIV testing and counseling, a financial literacy program where we can help people with their budgets, if they want to buy a house, if they want to buy a car, uh, financial goals in general. And we have two coaches that can help for free um, with all that kind of thing. And we also have a drug and alcohol prevention program, which is what I'm going to talk a little bit more about. Um, it's called Prevention Promoters, and it's for adults, and it focuses on preventing drug and alcohol and substance abuse in general. And part of what I'll talk about is this art addiction program, which is one of the projects as part of that uh, prevention program. And not to forget, we have a Healthy Families program, helping people get connected to health care. And... Um, We also have a Healthy Homes program because a lot of the homes that were built in Wilmington were built before 1978 where the lead laws were not in place and therefore a lot of the paint in the homes um, might still have lead in it and that is very uh, problematic especially for kids. Um, Children under the age of five can have uh, brain defects as a a result of lead exposure. So one of these programs uh, helps the community with resources to get their homes tested um, and how to mitigate the problems if they do have issues in the home. 
And that's a mouthful, but we, we do all that and a lot more. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, with that range of programs, you must have a staff of thousands. Uh, how, how big is your staff and, and how many uh, people do you serve? Well, so our staff about full time is about 60 employees, um, but 60? 60, 60. Okay. And about 40 part time employees. So okay. it's about 100 staff. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, it's a large organization, the over a $5 million budget. And we serve uh, annually, I believe, about 12,000 people. Um, wow. That's the latest figure mm-hmm. from last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, But there's always more growth and there's always more need. Mm-hmm. That does not go away. And you, you mentioned you serve uh, constituents from infants to seniors. Correct. Uh, now, and you also mentioned you serve both Latino and non-Latino. Uh, could you talk about uh, that population that you serve? Because I know there's... Uh, often that misconception that all Latinos are the same, and we know that there's quite a diversity there. And, and you know, so could you speak to that and how that impacts the services you provide? Absolutely. Um, so there, you know, one of the unique things that the LACC can offer is this cultural understanding of what it means to be Latino. That means you can be white, you can be black, you can be mixed. Um, you don't all look the same. Um, people call me Iguera because I'm light skinned mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and my experiences are very different than somebody who grew up, uh, being dark skinned and grew up facing different, uh, social pressures and things like that. So we understand that there's a, 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 a wide array of experiences coming through our door. Um, also Latinos come from all different educational backgrounds. We have people with masters and doctorate degrees and we have people coming in that have never attended a school in their whole life. So that is a, an additional uh, thing that we take into consideration when providing services. You know, you don't just give somebody a pamphlet and have them read it. You read it for them because sometimes people have never learned how to read or write. Um, so you have to be a little bit more culturally aware about what these people have been through to get to you. And uh, also, you know, we have a large Puerto Rican and Mexican population in Wilmington, but all the countries are represented here. And a lot of the clients that we served are white and they're black and they come in and, um, you know, it's the same treatment for everybody. And the idea is basically that we are all ultimately uh, the same. We're all brothers and sisters um, and we are just uh, trying to create a safe space for people who are new to this country or new to the area to get connected with services. A lot of people that are here for work, a lot of people that are migrant workers who are here just for a season and then they go back home. Um, so a lot of that population that sometimes tends to be the invisible population in our communities, but they're here, they're around us, they're paying taxes, they're part of our communities. And so we need to take care of them just as we would anybody else. Um, we know right now with the political climate, there's a lot of um, fear and anxiety amongst the undocumented population. And, you know, we serve as a, a, a safe space where, you know, undocumented or not, you are welcome here and we're not going to, uh, you know, we will not do something to try to get you in trouble with the law or anything like that. So um, the idea is for it to be a safe landing zone and kind of like a catch-all for any uh, program that somebody might need, any need that they have. If we don't have the program, we still, you know, receive them and we direct them um, as to where they should go or we help as much as we can with translation, things like that, so that they feel comfortable and confident seeking services that they need. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm curious, with, with the wide array of services that you provide, have you seen over the years – well, first, the first question – 
Uh, are there particular services that you provide that seem to be uh, more in demand than others, and has that sh- changed over time? Yes, um, and I actually recently heard a story and learned the history behind one of our programs, um, which is the Evening Enrichment Program. And that's basically um, after school, you know, when kids don't have much to do, um, sometimes they'll be in the street, and that's when they get caught up in the negative things in mm-hmm. our community. So we have a, a program where they can come and, and hang out after school or even late into the evening at the LACC, and that is, is really needed. Um, and a part of extension to that was I heard the story, which was that some of the kids that were coming before and after school were also coming in the middle of the day. And so the director of the youth development program said, why are you here? You know, you're supposed to be in school. And they said, oh, well, you know, I'm not doing well in school and I don't, I don't like to go. And so they found that a lot of kids were skipping school and they were looking for a place to just be. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the LACC uh, got in touch with the um, the school chair board and mm-hmm. said, do you know that this is happening? And so they managed to get funds from Red Clay School District to begin a program for students that are not, you know, they're not succeeding in school, but they still need somewhere to be. Mm-hmm. And that's how that program came mm-hmm. about. So it didn't always exist. It kind of happened out of the realization of a need that was there already. Mm-hmm. And so we said, wow, okay, we need to do something about this. And and it's been a successful program now. And these kids are engaged in pro-social activities that are going to serve as barriers or protect protective factors to um, all the, basically all the dangers that are really close by in in our neighborhood. Now, does this ultimately help them in getting back onto a track to get their GED or or whatever? Um, So we do provide all all those services and we have case managers that are uh, a mix of a tutor and a counselor and a you know, case manager all rolled into one because they're, if they don't show up that day, you know, they'll pick up the phone and they'll call them and say, Hey, where are you? Why aren't you here? So it's a very intimate uh, program. And that's what these kids need. You know, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, they just need to be heard. They just need to be listened to. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're able to provide. Mm-hmm. Now, just quickly before we go to break, what, what is the, uh, uh, what is the breakdown uh, demographically in the greater Wilmington area of Latino versus non-Latino population? So I don't have the data on okay. that. I apologize. Um, but you Didn't know, mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. I should have come better prepared. Um, so what we do know is that it, the, it has changed, the demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 60s, which is when the LACC was founded, there was a large uh, immigration coming in from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's the reason it was founded is because there was a, a, a small enclave of Puerto Ricans who didn't feel like they were getting what they needed. And so they said, mm-hmm. you know what, we need to start something on our own. And so it, it grew from there. Um, but it started off as a place for Puerto Ricans to come and get help. Mm-hmm. Um, but the waves of immigration have changed. And right, right now we're seeing a lot of Mexican population coming in to receive services. Okay. Um, but like I said, you know, it's a little bit of everything. But mm-hmm. our primary populations, um, it, statistically speaking, are uh, Puerto Rican, Mexican and a Dominican is the third uh, group, Uh, but that's fluctuating all the time. And as immigration waves change, it also changes. Great. Great. Well, I want to shift gears now to the prevention promoters program. But first, 
Remind our listeners that you are tuned into News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is Laura Adarve, the manager of prevention and advocacy for the Latin American Community Center here in Wilmington. Uh, Laura, let's turn to uh, this program, the Prevention Promoters Program. Did I get that right? You did. Okay. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that program and then how this uh, art program, Art Addiction, fits into that bigger picture. Okay. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the Prevention Promoters Program is a drug and alcohol prevention program that is funded uh, through the block grant uh, from SAMHSA. And, and SAMHSA is the substance abuse. Uh, sorry, the uh, I don't know abuse, the mental health, okay. and substance abuse, something along those right. lines. Okay. Um, and the the program has been around for about fifteen years or, or longer, um, long before I was at the LACC. And the focus of this program, unlike a lot of other prevention programs, is on adults and. The idea behind this program is that we employ several strategies to try to change social norms around alcohol and drug abuse and to get information out there in the community about addiction and about recovery and how to help those around you who might be struggling or beginning to struggle with substance abuse. So we do a little bit of everything. We do education sessions in the community. We do outreach at health fairs. Um, We do different fun activities where we do kind of like uh, fun, playful ways of learning about uh, substance abuse and the effects on the body and the brain. And we also have what we call alcohol or, or drug-free events, AOD-free events. And one of these is this art addiction project that we've mentioned. And But other things include, you know, we take trips to Longwood Gardens with the families that have been involved in the program. Um, we have a Cinco de Mayo event we've had in the past, which is extremely successful, um, this year, we're doing what we call spring artwork, which is kind of like um, one of those paint nights kind of events. And so where we have an instructor come in and lead the class through painting something while we uh, provide mocktails, which are uh, fake cocktails, mm-hmm. basically. And we try to teach people how to have a good time without the need of drug or alcohol, uh, d- drugs or alcohol. And... We also provide recipes for the mocktails, and we try to give them tips and tricks on how to be good hosts, how to discourage binge drinking, how to discourage drinking and driving, all those things, which in the Latino community has a different perception on on all of that. You know, In our countries, it's not necessarily looked down upon to drink and drive, right. things like that. So mm-hmm. these are cultural differences that we need to address, and the LACC in this program has a unique uh, ability to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, the program features art addiction. And this is a project that is now in its ninth year. And it's been the focus of the, the project is an art contest wh- what, whose theme is substance abuse or addiction. And so um, hence the name art addiction. And the idea is that we want to bring attention to and get people talking about addiction because it's so taboo and it's so stigmatized that we try to use art as a means to get people talking about it and get comfortable talking about it because whether we're comfortable with it or not, addiction is around us and it's in our communities. And now it's all over the country with the opioid epidemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the idea is to use art as a means, as a positive means of getting to talk about an ugly topic. 
And so we do have two categories. We have advanced and we have beginner. And the idea is to encourage people who have no art background, who have no experience painting or drawing or anything, um, so that they can compete in a realm of their own, so that they can actually compete. Um, and the idea is that they submit their artwork uh, which can be photographs, it can be paintings, drawings, um, anything but sculptures, basically. Um, and so two-dimensional. Two two-dimensional, mm -hmm. yes. And so that, and they attach with it an art description, mm -hmm. and that is where the the real meat if, is, if you will. And basically, the description they explain how their art relates to the topic mm -hmm. and based on that the winners are chosen and we do give prizes um, we give art supplies for prizes and trophies and it's a really nice ceremony and we invite everybody to come out it's going to be June 7th at the Delaware Art Museum um, but right now in particular we are encouraging folks to um, to be a part of the project so whether you have art experience or not you know please look into it and participate you know you just have to be 18 or older and we, if you have issues providing the materials, we can help finance the materials. If if that's a barrier for people and they cannot afford to participate, then the program can um, help with that. So please don't be discouraged. Even if you think you can only draw stick people, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of times you'd be surprised. And mm -hmm. ultimately what is really important is the message that mm -hmm. you're attaching mm -hmm. to that art piece. Now, where can uh, people find out information about how to uh, register to submit? Artwork. So the information is on our website, the LACC's website, which is www.thelatincenter.org. And on there, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll find uh, two buttons, one for the English version, one for the Spanish version. It says Art Addiction Submission and Guidelines. And you're going to click on that, and it will automatically download the forms. And that will give you all the instructions and the rules, as well as the submission form that you would be turning in with your art piece. And I must say, having attended the uh, exhibition in, in previous years and the award ceremony, there really is some incredibly powerful artwork. And as you say, it's it's not just the artwork, but it's the stories behind them. Now, what I'm hearing from you is that this is an opportunity to connect the arts to what rightfully should be identified as a public health issue. Right. As opposed to a criminal activity. Right. I mean, we're, we're really looking at addiction as a public health issue. Mm -hmm. Could, could you speak to that and how you, uh, work with the people who submit to this, uh, exhibition and those who are concerned that they might be, you know, admitting something they don't want to admit? Right. Um, so definitely there is a perception, uh, the difference in perception of danger and a different, uh, I think a little bit, sometimes it's stigmatized to the point where people mm -hmm. see it as a moral failure, you right. know, that these people, oh, they're, they're selfish or they only care about themselves or whatever it is. But we understand now, um, as science has shown that it's a, it's a disease of the brain. It mm -hmm. is not a the choice. It is mm -hmm. not something that people are opting to do. So we're really trying to get that message out there. And, you know, the importance is to base it in, in science and to base it in fact. So we try to use the most 
uh, recent data that's out there about brain, about the brain, which is a very new field anyway. Um, so they're still learning and there's a lot more to be learned. But the idea is to try to change people's understanding about addiction and that, you know, it's not necessarily those people's faults. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing that, uh, I, another thing I want to dispel is a lot of people when I suggest that they participate in art addiction, you know, they'll say, oh, but I'm not a, an addict or I'm not, uh, involved. And this is not just for addicts. Uh, this is for anybody. You know, whether you yourself have had experience, whether you know somebody who's had experience, or even if you don't have any exposure or experience with addiction, if you just can feel and be empathic with other people's struggle, you can participate in this contest. You know, the idea is not that this is for addicts only or for people in recovery only. It is for everybody because we are all indirectly or directly affected by addiction. I was going to say, it's the rare individual who can say that they haven't been impacted or known of someone who has has right. dealt with addiction Absolutely. of one kind or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Uh, this program, uh, is there a deadline for submissions? There is. So we have a deadline of April 27th. It's a Friday at 5 p.m. Um, people can bring their artwork into the LACC, the MOB building, the Manuelita Olson building, which is at 3rd and Harrison. That's 301 North Harrison Street in Wilmington, Delaware. And... Um, once you submit, the idea is that you bring it ready to hang with your submission form and your art description. Mm-hmm. Um, email is preferable, but we'll take anything that you know people can um, provide. So if you have any questions at all or if you are confused about the guidelines, you can always contact myself, Laura Darve, or uh, Mildred Ortega. We're both available to answer any questions about this. Great. And the, the award ceremony you mentioned is going to be Thursday, June 7th at the uh, Delaware Art Museum. Will there be an exhibition period where people can uh, visit the museum and see the exhibition? Yes. So we're still working out the uh, calendar, but okay. it will be on display at the Delaware Art Museum for some time. And then we take it to other venues as well. Great. Uh, we're working on getting it at Jerry's Artorama in the summer, mm-hmm. perhaps in July or August. And we are on the calendar for the Grand Opera House's Baby Grand Gallery in September. So we will be participating in the Art Loops this summer and early fall. And um, people can, if they miss it at the Delaware Art Museum, they can see it again uh, later on. And the exhibition is wonderful because it gives these new artists um, an opportunity to exhibit if they never have. So we really encourage people to participate. Great. And again, for details, you can visit www.thelatincenter.org. Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate it.